Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. My message today is do sweat the small things. And some people say, don't sweat the small things. Don't worry about that. Don't sweat the small things. I want to tell you today, do sweat the small things. Do think on the small things. You know, often when I preach and I go down and I'll stand on the doors and meet people as they leave or I jump in the blue room, more often than I can tell you, the comment I hear is, oh, you were up there. And I'm thinking they're about to say, what an amazing chat or conversation, whatever, you know. Uh, sometimes people say, what a great talk. And, um, but the most common thing that gets said is, you're a lot shorter than I thought. Like, look at you, you little cute thing. <laughs> hey, I, I added in the cute part. Like, hello down there. It really gets said. Uh, when, I, all I, when I was growing up, I've told you before, growing up, I, people would say, do you want to be a police officer like your dad? Or, you know, uh, I never wanted to be a police officer. When someone say, what do you want to be? I wouldn't say a preacher. I, I never said I wanted to be a teacher or in marketing. I would always answer with, what do you want to be? And I would say, toll. This height in year seven, thinking, here we go. Gonna be a, oh, I, 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 all my life, my, my dad, uh, um, I, I, dreamed of being, I dreamed of being six foot. And, uh, and I used to pray, let me go, at least let me be six foot. And my dad's five foot 11. And, and so I was, you know, I always wanted to then at least get to five foot 11. And I was just shorter than my dad. But in my head, I told myself, well, I'm just under six foot. And somehow I convinced myself I was five foot 11. And I remember going to the doctor for a checkup about when I was 30. And he said, how tall are you? And I said, five foot 11. And he went, <laughs> what are you, a comedian or a doctor? I'm like, I'm five foot. He goes, you're not five foot 11. I'm like, well, I think I know. And he's like, well, let's measure you. And he says, you're five foot seven. And I'm like, <laughs> he's laughing now. And uh, I said, something's wrong with your tape. And he said, what's a measuring tape? And uh, so should we measure again? And I found out that day I'm five foot seven. There's not many things that devastate me. That devastated me. Come on, everyone, just say, you cute little thing. <laughs> Some of you just said a little. Okay, I heard you. Father, speak to us today. Amen. Luke 16, read the yellow, says, chapter, verse 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, who has despised the day of small beginnings? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28, and God chose the small things. God chose the small things. Just feel this, there's someone this weekend that God spoke to you at conference and you felt He called you to ministry and you left here and walked away and said, no, it, was, it, was, it wasn't God, I could never be used. I'm too small, I'm too insignificant, I'm too little. And I don't know who it is for today, but I want you to say that was a, a lie that came from the, after the prophetic, you then listened to the lie. You need to go back to the prophetic Word of God. He likes taking the things that people discount, seem insignificant and using them to do mighty things. If He calls you, He calls you, amen? Let's put it back up. He said, and God chose the small things that people despise. Yes, He chose even the things that seem to be nothing. He did this to destroy the big things. 
God loves to use the small things. The small things matter. Have you been walking? And you've been walking up a mountain because that's what we do. We walk up mountains. And you're walking up a mountain and you decided I need a good mountain walking stick and you find a good big mountain walking stick and partway up the mountain, you get a little splinter in your finger and it's harder than walking up that mountain. That little splinter that's in your finger wrecks your entire day. The little things matter. Have you ever, I mean, I went to a restaurant recently and we got one of those eight course degustation dinners for my birthday, my friend's birthday. And there were so many courses, but they gave me this one little bit of lobster. And I wanna tell you, if this lobster's in heaven, we are in for a treat because it was so small, but mm, just tasting it right now. You know what our communion tastes like at the moment? It's basically the opposite uh, on the other end of the scale of that. Uh, um, uh, recently, NBA Finals, uh, that Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the world, was playing in Game 7, the final game, before they made the Grand Final. And he shot an incredible three-pointer, except his foot was just a little bit on the line. And because it was just a little bit, it's just a small bit, all of his body, all like, he's got like, size 20,000 feet and all of that was behind the line, but just a little bit over the line caused them not only to lose the game, lose the series and not win the championship. The small things matter. Have you ever given your kid just a little bit of chilli? like Mount Krakatoa is about to explode in their mouth and they've got cucumber and milk going down that thing. Just a little bit of chilli makes a huge difference. Have you ever got gone for a walk and you got a bit of bark in your shoe? And you're like, I've got a whole log in there. That must be enormous. And it's like, you're limping and you're like, I'm trying to put up with it. And you take it out and you're like, everyone gather around. I have the Amazon in my shoe. And it's the tiniest bit of bark, but it makes a huge difference. Ever been, I just go on like this for a while. Have you ever been to the shops? And you're near the end of the aisle and there's someone with hardly anything in their trolley. They don't even need a trolley. And they are taking their sweet time on their phone, looking at everything. And the spirit of a race car driver comes upon you. And it's only a little way to go at the aisle, but you're like dropping it into first and cutting down past them because little things matter. Like going quick at the shops. A little nail in a tire of a car can bring the entire car to a stop. The small things matter. Sometimes we think the small things don't matter. The small things in Scripture and the small principles that we ignore, the small things that we drift in. I mean, what Pastor Tony said, you've been at the beach and you think you've just drifted a little and you look back and you've got 14 kilometres to walk back to your town because just a little bit of time, a little bit of drifting, what you think is a small thing actually turns into a big thing. In Scripture, God loves to use the small Small things. I mean, it was just a small stone in a small boy's hand that brought down a giant and an entire army. It was just a small cup of water that brought refreshing from a small well in a small town to King David that inspired him to keep on going. It was just a small voice 
of a small servant girl that spoke to the leader of a mighty army in Naaman that saw him get healed of his leprosy. It was just a small baby in a small manger that changed the direction of all of humanity. It was just a single star that caused the wisest of men to spend years travelling on the road to see their Saviour. It was just a small, insignificant teenage mother that said yes to the Word of the Lord, that she would carry the seed of God that would change our life forever. It was just a small lunch in a small boy's lunch bag that fed over 15,000 people and did one of the greatest miracles because what was seemingly insignificant to Philip was significant in the hands of God. It was just a small few coins, just a couple mites in the buckets on a Sunday or a Saturday back then that got the attention of heaven. When everyone else said, is that all she got? The windows of heaven would pour out over her life, no doubt, because heaven loves the small insignificant significant, just a mustard seed, just the tiny seed was enough for God, to Jesus to say, if you have faith the size of that tiny seed, you can move a mountain. The Bible also says it's the small foxes that spoil the vines. It was a small cloud the size of a man's hand that seemed insignificant. But the man of God knew when I see the small, I start running big time because there is an almighty rain that is about to come. Do not despise the small beginnings. James says the tongue is just the smallest member, but like just a little spark, it can set a fire when it's used for evil. I mean, Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is needed. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I press on. David said, one thing I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack, go sell your goods and give them to the poor. The master said to the servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. In the Word of God, the little things matter. They matter a lot. Come on, they matter. Don't tell me they don't matter. It was a small prayer that changed your eternity when you invited Jesus into your life. That day, maybe when you were a small child and you invited Jesus, you didn't know that moment would literally change the direction for you and your family. It was a small challenge from Pastor Ashley in helping just start a a youth leadership conference for a couple of weeks, for 10 weeks, that literally connected me to be able to be one day standing on this platform. Talk to Pastor Andrew. And it was one small Saturday morning prayer meeting with one person that was going through a marriage difficulty that literally set the wheels in motion that saw the revival in this church take place. You think just the small doesn't matter. It was one small fashion show 19 years ago that's impacted tens of thousands of women and seen thousands come into the Kingdom of God. Pastor Jane will tell you, it was our youth group just meeting in a, in a lounge room, writing one small song that ends up getting sung by one of the largest churches, Lakewood, all across, right, heard right across the world 
world, literally probably heard by millions now, but they thought it was one small song sung by one small group. God loves to take the seemingly insignificant and use it for the significant. Our kids have recently, Christy and Shans have started a Kids Connect group. We believe Connect groups matter so much, our kids should be in them. And they've been given a challenge, just read one proverb a day. And it doesn't seem like much, but I literally think one proverb a day will change the direction of their life. My mum used to put around our house these small Scriptures printed all around the house. My life verse was on the back of the toilet door because I would sit in there two to three times a day having nothing else to do but read Scripture. And you think it was just a little cue card she literally got from Paradise Bookshop with all these little edges, blue around these and she would stick them on there. And I thought, what is that gonna do? It put the Word of God in my life. You think the small things don't matter? The small things like a small bowl of snow rolling down a mountain, it doesn't seem significant, but when it builds up momentum, it's gonna cause an avalanche for either good or for evil. The small things matter. Sweat the small things. Think on the small things. Come on, church. Come on, church. Don't tell me it doesn't affect you. A small coffee this morning changed your mood. A small, little, a small conversation in your head that you never have becomes a big problem if you don't have the discussion. A small smile, even though you've got the masks, we can still tell you're smiling. Can you see I've never, if I ever do that, leave. But it makes a difference in the foyer today. God uses the small things to test your integrity. God uses the small things to show what's in you. We often feel the big things in life are what make us. The big moments in life actually reveal what's in you already. It's not the big things that make you who you are. It's the small things that make you who you are. It's the small consistent, ongoing, repeated decisions that you make that make you who you are, that are revealed in the big moments. In the light of eternity, in the light of history, in the light of your life, these have been a big few years, but they are only a few years. And what this is doing is not making us, it's actually revealing in us what was actually in us and in the church. And as we look around and see what goes on, it's not this that... Really, so this, is, this determines our future. Now, this is revealing what's been behind us. And we get to now make decisions about who we wanna be in the days ahead. It's not the big crisis in life that reveal what's in you, but strength is built in the small things you do each and every day. And in this season and in the church, hey, are you cool today? I feel God loves you so much. And He has so much compassion for you that He also wants to lead you with conviction. And He wants you to walk into your best life. And today I wanna come in the grace and love of God and speak the truth of God into your life if you allow me. Is that okay? But I'm also, if you're in the room, I need your faith because I'm not only speaking to you, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm actually speaking to the thousands that will watch online and listen to the podcast this week that have retreated, pulled back or been listening to the lies of the enemy because you need faith to be able to 
to walk in what God's got for you because His truth is greater than anything else anyone else is telling you. So I'm actually speaking into your spirit, into your home, into your mind, into your situation. And I need the church to rise with me in faith today because there's a high chance you're here today, but maybe you won't be here next week because it's how things are going at the moment. But I believe we're meant to be gathering all the more because God's got greater for you. So I'm gonna speak truth. Are you okay with that? Because we're making the small things in this world big. These last few years, if I can, they feel big, but in the light of eternity, in the light of your life, it actually will be small. But we're making them too big and we're making the big things in life. We're making the small, making the small things big and the big things small. The truth is everything's just turned upside down. And for so many, the importance being replaced with the impotent. The things that will never bring multiplication and fruit into your life have replaced the most important things in our life. And I wanna speak into it today. Is that okay? As you talk to people, catch up with people, talk what we're experiencing and there is fear and there is oppression and there is intimidation. We talk about what's God been saying to you through the Word and as people get open and vulnerable, too many have stopped reading the Word of God in this season. My pastor Jane said last week, we follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole of controversy and we would rather eat the we'd rather eat of controversy and what the news says and what fear predicts and what everyone's saying rather than grabbing a hold of the well-prepared nutritious word of God that's the bread of life that will sustain you i mean why would you chase a rabbit down the rabbit hole when you can have a lion why would you why would you grab what everyone else is predicting rather than grabbing a hold of what God's promised and too many people have stopped reading the word of God but we spent our days flicking on the news and listening we're reading the tea leaves, we're reading the writing in the sky, the writing on the wall. We're listening to what everyone else is saying. Stop listening to the controversies. Stop listening to the conspiracy theories. Don't be an expert in that space. Be an expert of the Word of God. Let it continually be on your lips and in your spirit and in your life. It just is a decision. It's a little thing today. But if you stop reading, it will be a big problem tomorrow. Isaiah chapter eight says this. I think Pastor Jane referred to it last week. Do, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Not everything's a conspiracy. And I mean this, do not fear what they fear. We're meant to be different to the rest of the world. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. This is what Pastor James said, to gird yourself. Everyone say gird. Gird yourself. Two weeks in a row, gird yourself with the belt of truth. Because the truth will set you free. Not take you down the hole, but it will let you run. Let you run free. We need the truth of God in our life. If, you've, if I can, if you've stopped reading the Word of God, just start reading. <laughs> let me not, you know, in this, in this fast we're doing, we're not giving you uh, all the memory verses of the day. We're not reading the script. Come on, just, we're gonna treat you like spiritual adults. Read the Bible. Start with a verse. Don't know where to start. Open it. Read. Just, just go read the Word. Are you doing okay? We, we love you. Oh, oh, this has worked out pretty well. But we just want the best for you. God's best for you. So many people in this season have stopped praying. You know something I hear pretty regular? I've stopped praying because I stopped hearing God's voice. 
But that's not going to help you hear it when you stop praying. Can I show you this? Yeah, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, Jesus wept. Can I show you a contender for Jesus wept? And it's quite a great teaching on, it's probably the best teaching on prayer in the Bible. And it's done in three words. Here we go. You can read it with me. It won't take long. It says this in 1 Thessalonians. Read it. Never stop praying. Read it again with me. Never stop praying. End of verse. Stop talking about the problems and start declaring the big promises of God. Stop looking at the small things and start declaring the big things that God, a little prayer today will, will help you so much. But I've been waiting for a time to be able to get back my 40 minute prayer walk. Now, if you can't get there, just spend five minutes in His presence. Just continually through the day, thank Him, talk to Him. A little makes a huge difference. Too many today, and again, I'm talking to people that are not here yet, but I need your yes and amen. Too many are not in church because of masks. Man, the conversations I have, people asking, uh-uh, I'm not coming back yet because there's masks. When masks are done, I'll come back to church. People say, would Jesus be wearing a mask? Do you think I don't talk to my wife when she wears a mask? She's my bride. If, if Shans had to wear a mask around me, I would still choose to engage with my, I try to kiss my wife with masks on. She says my breath smells better when I wear the mask. It's a greater chance of a smooch. The end of the day, Jesus loves His bride. You can have, you can have a free mouth, but a masked heart. Or you can have a masked mouth and a free spirit. And I tell you, I'd rather have a mask on and a free spirit that chooses to declare and praise and gather and encourage. And I can't wait for these things to go. I, can't, I, dr I have so much coffee just so I can keep it off for longer. But while it's on, I'm still gathering and still declaring and still getting with the believers. If you're not here, I know it's different, but Hebrews tells us this. In Hebrews chapter 10, I think it is, it says in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together, or some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. I mean, look out there. There's natural disasters. There's terrorism, there's, uh, there's disease, there's religious freedoms being taken away, there's the rights of innocence being removed. We are getting closer to the end times. And what it says to me is when that happens, don't gather and be, don't be separate, don't write about it, don't talk about all the controversies. It says gather together all the more, the more you see us get closer to those end times. So I see people coming a little bit less. And to be honest, we're bringing a little bit less faith because it's different and we're watching. I mean, in this season, we've seen less people find Jesus and less visitors than we have in a long time. And I know why it is. It's because we feel awkward of bringing someone with a mask. But if bringing people to faith was about our comfortability and about the environment and about whether there's a piece of cloth or not, then we've missed the point. The Gospel is confronting. It is uncomfortable, but it is the only way to salvation. And we can't be the church that holds back and reserved because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where people need the Gospel of Jesus Christ more than ever. So I see people that have needs, but they're not in connect group. And I see people that are alone, but they're not gathering. And you see people that want their kids to walk with Jesus tomorrow, but sport and rest take priority 
authority over the church today. Hunter, it just seems like a small thing today, but I wanna speak truth. It makes a huge difference tomorrow. Prioritise the house of God. Come on, don't go quiet on me. You're here. Prioritise. If you're not, if you're not here yet, we love you. This is why we're saying prioritise the house of God. We're in the world, but not of the world. This is the choice you get to make. What world am I a part of? Am I like the rest of this world or am I of the kingdom of God? Because we need to be the church and the church needs to rise, but not the lukewarm church. If we are the church that is built on feelings and an atmosphere rather than conviction, we're in trouble. I mean, what is it to pick up our plough? What is it to burn our cross? Well, pick up, to pick up our plough. What is it to burn the plough? Don't pick up a plough when it's burning. What is it to pick up your cross? What is it to lay down your life? I mean, look at what we're facing. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were facing something even more significant, but they stood. And if we burn, we burn. Daniel, he's facing the lion's den, but you know what he does? He opens the curtains because the world needs to see that prayer is the answer. And he gets on his knees and he begins to pray. Mission has to trump our moments and, and community has to trump our individualization, and the truth must trump opinion. And, and the Word of God is greater than anything you can read in the news or social media. If we are the come late, leave early church, we will never be enough for a sick and dying world. This is not a tick box, but this is the answer that Jesus chose to use. So don't despise the simple, don't despise what seemingly is small, don't delay, and don't replace the important with the impotent. This is the moment that the church needs to rise in Jesus' Name. Come on, church. Some of us, I'm just, just, I'm a gentle person. I'm a lamb. What I love about Jesus is He knew when to be a lamb and when to be a lion. And He was both. And sometimes we're lambs when we should be lions and we're lions about the things we should be lambs in. Jesus was a lamb like lion and a lion like lamb. And he knew when to do both. He was a lamb to those that were sick and hurting, but he was a lion that cast out the sickness. He was a lamb that said, don't throw the first stone, but he was a lion that said, sin no more. And the keys can come. He was a lamb that said, little girl, get up but he was a lion that kicked everyone without faith out of the room because he need you think we push you with faith Jesus would have kicked some of us out of the room he needed an environment of faith if there was going to be the miraculous he was the lamb to Lazarus's family but he was the lion that said to death you have no hold of him Lazarus come out of the grave he was the lamb that turned the other cheek but he was the lion that turned over the tables so he'll ask him Shouldn't we be protesting? Shouldn't we be doing this? Can I say, Jesus didn't get involved too much in politics. He actually said, render to Caesar what Caesar's. But where he did have a big fight in him was when it came to the religious spirit that took over the people of God. And he said, for the Romans, you turn the cheek. But when he saw Christians compromising and not living to the truth that people need to be set free, he flipped the tables. He knew when to be a lamb and he knew when to be a lion. Come on. The lamb said nothing when he was judged, but there is a lion that will have the final word when He judges. There is a lamb that gave up all power to become like us, but there is a lion that all power has been given to. He conquered sin as a lamb, but He conquered 
death as a lion. A lamb went to the cross and a lion rose from the grave. He as silent, He went as a lamb to the slaughter. But one day He will return as a lion with an almighty roar. And He is looking for the church to have that same sound, that same roar, because He has conquered death. It has not conquered you. We need a church that is full lamb and full lion. Absolute grace, but absolute strength. Absolute commitment, but absolute determination. We cannot change. We need to praise like a lion and we need to follow like a lamb. We need to serve like a lamb and we need to rule like a lion. We need the wisdom of a lion and the innocence of a lamb. You need to be a lamb-like person, but hear me today. You need to live a lion-like life. Let me say it again. You need to be a lamb-like person that leads a lion-like life. Do you all notice about Jesus? He wasn't 50% lamb, 50% lion. He was 100% lamb and 100% lion. Jesus was 200%. He is 200% of whatever you need. He is more than enough for whatever you need. And too many Christians aren't living in the exceedingly abundantly above that He promised for our life and Jesus modelled in His life, but we've shrunk back to 60%. We've shrunk back to 50%. We've shrunk back to 30%. When the world needs us to be 200%. It's not that our light gets turned off when things get darker. It's our light shines brighter the darker the world gets. We need you to rise up in all that God has for you. And we need this church to be what God's called this church to be, or we will not be the lighthouse that He's called us to be, that we've been for nearly a hundred years, for 99 years, we've been the church that no matter what's happened, we've prayed, we've stood up, we've had faith, we've gathered, we've fasted and we've reached the lost and it does not change with this generation. There is a new anointing, there is a new grace for a new day because there is a new generation that needs to see us have some strength and confidence. You still love me? Need truth. I mean, the Israelites didn't step into the place where there were some giants because they talked about the problem of the promises and the next generation wondered and missed out for years until someone was old enough and good enough to rise up. Do not let this, I mean, when I read the Word and I look towards what is coming, it gets worse. And if, this is the example that maybe the next generation walks through some things we don't have to. And if this is what they're seeing, it won't be enough. There has to be a greater rise in us so we show them how to run and how to fight and how to believe and how to gather and how to pray. So no matter what happens, He finds a way through His people. You need to be able to read the seasons. How good that Wednesday's spring. Oh. I have that seasonal affective disorder. I need sun. I need it. You notice you walk out, you drive around. You, have you noticed people are walking again? Those Japanese cherry blossoms are blossoming. There are people are mowing their lawns because spring's in the air. There's, uh, you can read the seas. Jesus said this. He said, you can interpret weather, but you can't interpret time. There's Kairos time. It's, it's God's heavenly time. And quite often, but not always, it does align with our seasons. Sometimes it's completely different. If you can tell that spring is coming, can you tell that revival's coming? If you're preparing the house for spring, 
you're going to the gym, preparing your body for summer, if you're thinking about how I wanna get out and be more active because the weather's nicer, if you can read that, can you read what's happening in the Spirit? Can you read that revival's on the way? Can you read that there's a cloud that's coming over us right now and that God's about to do something significant? And when you read in Scripture, do you know it was, and we see this in the story of Ahab, it was in spring where the kings went to war. And you might feel like springtime, back off. No, it's right now as we go into spring that the kings need to rise up and the queens need to rise up and we need to go to war, which is why we're praying and fasting. It doesn't bring about revival, but it allows the God's revival that He's bringing to take birth in us. I mean, you look at Nehemiah, Pastor Tony talked about Ezra and next to him was Nehemiah. When Nehemiah saw, saw the state of the city, you know what he did? He prayed and he fasted that there would be a revival, that there would be new life, that the walls would be rebuilt and the city would be inhabited. We need to be the church that as it goes into springtime that we pick up our sword and we begin to fight in the Spirit. We get to notice what God's doing in His Kairos time, in what He's doing supernaturally. And I'm not gonna tell you what to fast. You're an adult, work it out. But, but what I wanna tell you is, if you were to replace one meal a day with 20 minutes of prayer, with 15 minutes of prayer, of 30 minutes of prayer, that one small thing would literally change your life and change our church. Don't, you, the small things matter. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I want to tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank You for loving me and giving Your life for me. I pray You forgive me for my past and You walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know Your grace, Your forgiveness, Your peace, Your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.